0: In the unpredictable race to become St. Louis's next mayor, Lyda Krusen has the most money, a stout political organization, and big-name endorsements. But do these things matter in such an unpredictable contest? The 28th Ward Democrat joins us next on Politically Speaking to break things down. So let's hit the music.
1: This is the Politically Speaking podcast, a candid conversation with the Show Me State's biggest political newsmakers. I'm Jason Merzenbaum. And I'm Joe Manis. That's Eric Greitens, Navy (laughs) SEALs running for governor. And I'm really, really glad to be on with you, Jason and Joe.
2: I'm going to push back.
0: And welcome to the politically speaking podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio today
1: is
2: colleague Joe Manis
0: and our special guest, who seem to really enjoy our our brand new uh, (laughs) spanking theme music.
2: Lida Crewson, 28th Ward Alderman and candidate for mayor.
0: I got to ask before we start, is Eric Greitens your constituent? Does he live in the
2: 28th Ward? He does. He does. Although I assume he's moved to the big house by now.
0: I I don't know if he's sold his house in the Central West End, but I know that uh, he is one of the first St. Louis residents to go to the governor's mansion in a long time. And I'm sure you have mixed feelings about him being governor and, and your constituent.
2: I'm He's the governor, and I'm excited that he's from the Central West End.
0: Well, I, I'm sure he is excited about that, too.
2: Yeah, so
1: you want to give us—I mean, we've been on before, but still for our listeners. If you can give a little bit of history about your background. And just so our listeners know, um, Alderman Krusen is a Democrat. She's among seven, seven Democrats who are competing in the March 7th primary. And we've
0: interviewed uh, many of the contenders so yes. far.
2: Go ahead. Uh, Lida Cruson, as I mentioned, I'm currently the 28th Ward Alderman, which is the Loop, Skinker to Bolivar, to Bolivar Place, Central West End, the Cheshire, and even a little bit of Dogtown. So that's the 28th Ward. I also happen to be a CPA. I'm the Chief Financial Officer, CFO of PGAV, Peckham, Guyton, Albers & Inc. We are an international architecture and design firm uh, specializing in uh, destinations. Mm-hmm. Um, so which like, I think is important because the city does have a billion-dollar budget. So I think that having the numbers uh, side of that brain fully tuned in is, good, is a good thing for the next mayor.
0: I was just going to ask, like, what type of destinations? Because I think I saw that the acronym at the St. Louis Zoo or other zoos. Mm-hmm. Or we have
2: done some projects at the St. Louis Zoo. We did the polar bear exhibit for... Callie, our new polar bear oh here my. in St. Louis, my and, son will
0: be glad to hear about exactly. that. Exactly,
2: and uh, penguins and puffins, and um, number of projects. Uh, sea Lion Sound at the at the St. Louis Zoo, but we work all over the world. Theme parks. Uh, you might know uh, Space Shuttle Atlantis project, which is at the Kennedy Space Center. That opened a couple of summers ago. The Georgia Aquarium. Work in various SeaWorld World parks. Uh,
0: lot of fun places
1: lots of fun places yeah now since you're a CPA obviously you're you're aware of the city's financial problems and I just have been finishing up a an overview um, feature that focuses a lot on that and among other things um, one of the interesting I used to cover City Hall way in the late 70s and early 80s before I was born yeah that's true <laughs> Um, <laughs>
2: we could have done without that, didn't we, Joe? <laughs> no, that's okay. She,
1: she usually says it's that, so I,
2: I,
0: I just decided to to undercut her. It's, yeah,
2: <laughs> which is another.
1: <laughs> but uh, but my point being is, is that one of the interesting things is that for the last, at least the last decade, most of the city's increase in funding every year ends up going towards covering pension costs. It does. And, and that right now... The city has more people who are either getting a pension. These are city former city workers.
2: You know that's that is uh, that is a phenomenon around our country.
1: Yeah, but my point is, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying it's unusual. Right, but it is an issue, and I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking pensions, but my point <laughs> is, what it does to the to the city's bottom line is the city's trying to confront public safety, other issues that people want addressed. That usually take money. Right. And um, so from your standpoint as an accountant, I'm assuming you're aware of some of this. And I have s- some people have told me this makes it very difficult for city government to address some of the other issues because of the financial um, constraints. And I'm just interested in how would you address that if you're
2: mayor? Well, obviously, you know, back when we were making promises to employees and this is, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, um, you know, the city had many more employees then than it does now. Exactly. And uh, that's because we've we've cut employees for efficiency, of course, uh, but also just because people are living longer and longer. I mean, these are some of the reasons for that. So we have an obligation to these employees. We have to meet that obligation, but it does make it very challenging. Uh, a- as you know, many companies have moved from what's called a defined benefit plan, which is a true pension plan to a defined contribution plan Uh, 401k is what it's called in the private sector 403b is what it's called on the on the public side of things Uh, and so all of that is on the table I think in the future but but honestly right now we have an obligation to those people that uh, are currently working for the city and who have retired and we have to meet that obligation
0: so why did you decide to run for mayor
2: good question You know, I've thought about running for mayor for quite a while, Um, and the opportunity presented itself back in April when Mayor Slay decided that he was not going to run again. And I thought about it for, oh, six, eight weeks, perhaps. And then I finally just said, you know, I know I want to run for mayor. I think I have a skill set that will be good in the mayor's office, and so I'm just going to jump out there and and begin running. I, frankly i want to make st louis into the city of choice the city where we all want to choose to live and that means all of us around this table but also our kids and our grandkids if we have any and and i think that there are a lot of a lot of great neighborhoods and a lot of good places to live in the city of st louis and and i want it to be even better
1: now as you're traveling around the the city and talking to voters and would be voters and i was at the forum that was last sunday um, on, on the SLU campus that mm-hmm. was packed. Very packed. Very packed. And the city fire marshal had to shut off how many people could get in because it was so packed. Oh, I didn't know that. About 1,500 people. And um, I had to talk my way in because I got there right <laughs> after he would put the order down. And so my point being is uh, what do you – I know what you're advocating as your top issues, but how are they meshing with the ones that voters ask you about?
2: They mesh very well with the ones voters ask me about. I mean, I think job one for the next mayor is neighborhood safety. Uh, And I have knocked on doors in Baden. I've knocked on doors in the West End. I've knocked on doors in Hyde Park. I've knocked on doors in Carondelet and all over this city, north, south, east to west. And uh, when I ask voters, what's on your mind? What do you want to make sure the next mayor knows? Invariably, they start talking about, neighborhood safety in some way or another they talk about something that happened around the corner from their house or something that they're concerned about or you know that sort of thing so i i think most st louis voters agree that neighborhood safety is job one for the next mayor
0: well i wanted to ask you about that because one of the things i've noticed traveling around the city is the perception of police is different depending on where you go this is what i've heard from people and I want to get your response to this for example in my neck of the woods in the 16th ward we had a horrible situation where Mm -hmm. sergeant tom lake was was shot and almost killed but Mm -hmm. thankfully survived and the outpouring for him and law enforcement in our neighborhood was overwhelming Mm -hmm. but i juxtaposed that image with the second or third meeting of the ferguson commission in shaw where sam dotson was literally being screamed at by two or three dozen people after the Von Derrick Myers situation, Mm -hmm. and that kind of showed me that depending on where you go in the city and depending on the racial demographics of the neighborhoods, the perception of police is markedly different. I'm interested, since you said you've been traveling and talking to a Mm -hmm. lot of people, do you feel like citizens have different perceptions of police, and what would you do as mayor to make sure law enforcement has a more favorable outlook in all parts of the city?
2: Well, first of all, I think neighborhood safety is about a lot more than just Law enforcement, but we can come back to that, and I'll try to address your question on police. Yes, I do think that um, there are, people have different points of view about police. People have different experiences with the police. Um, most of the time, though, well, let's let's back up and say when you call the cops, when you call nine one one, you don't call them on your best day. You call them on your worst day, and what do you want to happen on? that day. You want two things, I think. One, get there fast. And two, you want your cops to exercise perfect judgment, de-escalate the situation, handle it in a very professional way. And I think where we are right now with law enforcement in the city of St. Louis is that we're short over 100 cops. We're supposed to have 1,300 cops. We have somewhere under 1,200. Um, That means that Many police officers have been working mandatory overtime for the better part of two years, and that is a situation that doesn't lead you to be able to respond fast or to respond perhaps with perfect judgment just because you're working lots and lots of overtime. It also is a situation which causes you maybe not to be able to do as much training, have the time to do as much training as you would like. So in my opinion, we need, we need to hire up to at least our authorized strength of 1,300, possibly more than that, um, but let's get to 1300 and then reevaluate things. Our police are not competitively paid with St. Louis County Police. You get out of the police academy in the city of St. Louis, you start at 43,000 and a few bucks, and you get out in St. Louis County, you're starting at over 48, so that's a $5,000 difference. You know, that makes a difference. That's a car payment, or that's a different apartment, or, you know, whatever. Um, but, so, we need more cops. They need to be paid better. They need to be trained in a more modern way. Everybody, every cop, new cops and old cops, need implicit bias training. They need, uh, uh, well, I'll call it sensitivity. That's probably a poor choice of word, but words. But they need to understand their audience. And as you mentioned, Jason, uh, initially, relationships between many communities and law enforcement are frayed. Frayed, strained, use which, pick whichever word you want. But in order to mend that, in order to, to uh, improve that relationship, I think we have to do it with full staffing and better training and more modern training.
1: But with all that, I mean, in the context of the financial problem that I mentioned at the beginning, how would you find the money for this? I mean, what would you do to either increase the city's revenue or shifting revenue around?
2: Right. Well, First of all, we have 1,300 cops in our budget already, and we're already spending all the money on those four 1,300 cops, even though we have 1,200 or something around that. Well, what's the money being used for now? Overtime. Okay. So the dollars are being used now for overtime. Um, And so we have the money in the budget for 1,300 cops um, being paid at their current pay scale, of course. So- It's not really an impediment to hiring up more cops. Although, as you know, with more, anytime you hire a new employee, it's not just about their salary. You know, they they probably need cars and computers and all those kinds of things, just like when you hire someone here. So, um, what I think is that there probably is money in the St. Louis budget, and you know, if you just think of it as five percent if there's 5% that you could get out of the city budget in in other ways, you would generate a lot of the funds towards that. I think we're going to have to do public-private partnerships probably for some of the equipment and that sort of thing that we need. Maybe that's uh, non-lethal weapons for officers, body cameras probably. All of those kinds of things are part of modern-day policing. Uh, and then thirdly, Yeah, maybe we will have to do some revenue enhancements, you know, a fancy word for uh, tax increases or fee increases somewhere. But we've got to get in there first and really dig into, uh, you know, the way that the department operates and the way the city operates.
0: One of the things that I've heard about this new sales tax, which I think just was passed as we're speaking there on Friday is it goes towards police technology, but I understand it doesn't go toward police salaries. Is yeah, that, I believe
2: it, it, uh, it's my understanding. It's an economic development tax. Mm-hmm. It's my understanding that it can't be used for salaries. Um, now, it wasn't passed. It was put on pa- the ballot. Uh,
0: Maybe. Correct. It gets confusing here. Correct. <laughs> yes.
2: I mean, the board of aldermen uh, voted today to put it on the April 4th ballot. Now, there's a couple of hurdles to that still having to do with whether or not the court will allow us to actually, you know, miss the deadline and that sort of thing. But assuming that can be worked out, then that half-cent sales tax will be on the April 4th ballot if that's if that gets worked out. The,
0: the reason I mention that is, let's say that passes, and mm-hmm. we don't know if the MLS aspect will pass. A half-cent sales tax is going to be added to an already high sales tax, mm-hmm. especially if you're in an area with a CID or or Mm -hmm. Transportation Development District. If you're you're talking about raising taxes even more for for police, is that just going to be too much to put on an already overtaxed city in some respects?
2: Maybe, but let's think about it in another way. Mm -hmm. What does our city look like if we don't do this? I mean, we're having a hard time hiring officers now, partly because they're paid less than St. Louis County. I'm sure partly for other reasons as well. But, so what does our city look like if we don't uh, hire up to our authorized strength? And and it's only been a few years ago, five or six or seven, uh, where we had fifteen or 1,600 officers. Right. So, I mean, so what does our city look like if we don't do it? And similarly, you know, there's two parts to neighborhood safety. The first part is prevention, and we haven't really talked about that. But, you know, prevention means money for uh, after-school programs or not not yes programs but after school jobs and summer jobs for youth and recreation programs and alternative dispute resolution programs and alternative sentencing programs so we don't take a kid who makes a mistake send him to jail make him a better criminal if there's a way to to divert that that kid somewhere else and get him back on 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 a good path so there there has you have to do the prevention along with the law enforcement. I think one of the things I said the last time I was here, perhaps was we can't really arrest ourselves mm-hmm. out of our issues. Obviously, we have to make arrests, but we have to do both. We've got to do both the prevention side and the law enforcement side. and for for folks who say, well, we're just you know we don't have the money. Well I mean, what are we we're not going to say we don't have the money to have policemen, are we? I sure hope we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to do these things because I think it's uh, if there's a five thousand dollar gap now, and you know, St. Louis County has a half cent sales tax on their ballot for April, in April, mm-hmm. and right. the explicit reason for that is to hire more cops and to pay them better. So this gap that we're talking about is getting wider, not narrower.
1: Now, does that help from a PR standpoint when you say you're going to put the, I mean, with, with a half cent sales tax on the ballot, which is hefty, but when you can say, well, look, the county's got one the same time. I mean, did that kind of in the mindset of making sure yeah. it was on the ballot at the same time so that um, you've got. You know, over a million people, but yeah. put, potentially, are going to be looking at yeah. I don't. A sales I don't, That increase. wasn't on
2: my mind when I voted for it. I mean, the half cent sales tax actually that we have on the ballot now, half of that, or call it a quarter cent, is is tagged for Metrolink expansion. Yeah, most uh,
0: of it's for that, I would think.
2: Yeah, so. I, I think it's actually sixty yes. percent. So more than a quarter, uh, is is tagged for Metrolink expansion, which that's a whole another subject if we get there. Yes. Um. So that wasn't on my mind, although, you know, that is certainly, a factor.
0: If you are mayor, will St. Louis Police Chief Sam Dotson still be in his position?
2: I don't know. Uh, you know, I am not of a mind that I'm ever going to go around saying who I would fire or who i would hire before i actually do it i actually think that's unprofessional and bad business wouldn't you just hate it if your boss went around saying i'm gonna fire that jason you know and he's telling the whole world and he hasn't even talked to you so i don't know the answer to that question i I certainly
0: would be offended by that of (laughs) course you would be
2: and and i i don't think that's the way to do business i mean we've uh, got a neighborhood safety plan we've got to reduce the number of homicides in the city 188 homicides Two years in a row. Oh my gosh! You know what I think about when I hear that? I don't think about the number. I think about three hundred and what is it? Seventy-six families that have lost a loved one, and that's at least ten people, maybe twenty people in each family whose lives have been negatively impacted forever. Forever. Um, it doesn't mean they can't recover from that and that they can't do well, but it certainly uh is very impactful and many many times there are lots of little kids traumatized by by that. So, I mean, I think the um we've got to reduce the number of homicides, we've got to reduce the number of shootings, which there are over 2000 shootings uh last year. Um you know, so all of that. I mean, the new uh when the new mayor comes in, and I hope that it's me, so I'll say when I'm elected mayor, if I can uh, practice that on you. Uh, certainly, uh, the chief will have to get on board with the neighborhood safety plan.
1: Well, and I, this is just a little bit of a backdrop. This does show my age a little bit, but but frankly, battles over police chiefs go back decades. And in fact, when uh, Vince Chamel was running for mayor uh, against Jim Conway, who was then the incumbent mayor, there were two Democrats. And there was some Republicans in the wing, Jerry Wamser. But the police chief at the time, Chief Camp, I mean, there was this whole mm-hmm. undercurrent about that. And everybody was trying to either say what they thought or to be quiet about what they thought. And uh, I, I'll never forget election night in the primary because chamel had won. And I asked him right then what he and and he was pretty blunt
2: then what did he say i don't i don't remember this well cuz he said it was what 1980 1981 81 yes 81
1: Yes, and and he said that the, that he heard that there was one police board member who was in favor of removing him. Now there was going to be two, yeah. implying him. Now he jumped I on see. me the next day because he said he thought that that was off the record. Yeah, I see. Well, it wasn't,
2: but yeah, <laughs> because but we nothing is off the record. Well, ever. <laughs> we we never used that. But that it, it's phrase. different
1: now
0: because then the state still controlled the police department, Correct. and now right the the city basically the mayor's office Mm -hmm. controls it and the reason i keep asking this question is after local control i heard so much from the current administration about how there was going to be accountability for for the police department's performance and it's been what five years since local control and the four the 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 results on its face don't really seem to Mm -hmm. show that accountability is happening because the stats Murders are not are good, up. and, and crime Sam is up. Dotson is still in his
1: job. Well, I mean, to Sam be fair, Dotson
2: got his job, I believe, after the city took over control. So yeah, right. Uh, I, if, if I'm remembering correctly, I think that is the case. So it's not a matter that he's still in his job, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I understand that point of view. Violent crime is up, and uh, you know, I frankly I don't want to hear again crime is down because uh, I know that if you add up all the crimes, meaning stolen license plate tabs and all everything it it may be down but violent crime is up and that's really what we have to focus on.
1: Right. Now to be fair it's going to it's it's it, the, many cities are dealing with the same issues. Absolutely. And um police chiefs are only part of it. I mean that was right. my point in bringing up what right. what happened in 81 because at that time the city was sort of in a crime similar mm-hmm. crime grip. Mm-hmm. From the late seventies and early eighties, mm-hmm. and and the city was bigger then, and there mm-hmm. was a, there was a lot of turmoil over what to do mm-hmm. at that point. Downtown was even in worse worse mm-hmm. shape than it is Not, now. No. Well, you know,
2: in the yeah. early nineties, uh, St. Louis several years had over three hundred murders. But again we're talking numbers there, we're talking statistics. Let's think about the people that are behind that and how that impacts impacts their life, so.
0: Now, but before we get to development, I do want to just ask, you have the St. Louis Police uh, Officers Association endorsement. I, I do. I wanted to make sure I got that yeah. acronym correct. I mean, that endorsement is going to mean different things to different people depending on where it they does. live. Like, in, again, a lot of police officers live in my neck of the woods. It's probably going to be a plus. In other parts of the city where I mentioned the relationship is not as good, it's going to be seen as a negative. Mm-hmm. How, how what do you think that brings to your campaign, and why do you think it matters, if, if anything?
2: Well, to be honest, I am I am happy and proud to have the endorsement of the police officers of the city of St. Louis. So that's the SLPOA. Uh, so I'm happy to have that endorsement. I, uh, I think it is a plus to my campaign, and I also think if you think forward to when you get elected, which is really what we need to be thinking about here, I think you have to have the support of police officers if you're going to be an effective mayor. You've got to work together to do that. And I know that not all the candidates even sought the endorsement of the police officers. uh, But frankly, I'm proud to stand with the police officers. And I do not think it's a dichotomy to both want to stand with police officers and to understand the point of view of black lives matter i mean these things are not uh mutually exclusive they should not be if we're going to do a good job
1: and um as you're going around i mean part of the the whole thing with 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 crime does affect
2: development and
1: other issues because um as i was interviewing some business leaders earlier this week is i mean the perception is if if the if the um public safety issue isn't addressed or at least people feel there isn't some momentum. They say it hurts either bringing or retaining businesses or things like any sort of proposed developments.
2: I think it, it hurts everything. It hurts the people who are the victims, of course, uh, and but it also, you know, it hurts attracting and retaining talent To if you're an employer. It hurts uh, if you're mo- trying to move businesses uh, into the area. It it's hard to retain businesses. Maybe that's who you were interviewing earlier this week. I don't know. But uh, I think, yeah, there's nothing good about it. So, uh, you know, it's really important that we focus on that.
0: I'm sure that you have been hearing this uh, wave of, of talk in the Board of Aldermen about tax incentives and whether mm-hmm. they're good or not. The, 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 the entire situation is whether using TIFs or tax abatements for projects, especially in the Central Corridor, is a good use. of of city resources. Mm -hmm. Now, you represent part of the the central corridor. I want to kind of get your sense of how you're going to deal with these types of incentives if you're mayor and how you're going to make sure they're spread out, not just in the central corridor, but in all parts of the city.
2: Sure. Well, absolutely. There should be more incentives offered to a project that is happening either North or in parts of South St. Louis and outside of the Central Corridor. There should absolutely be more incentives offered in those locations. But I want to take you back for a minute to, if you can think back, say, 15 years ago, and I don't know if you can, if you remember that back that far, Jason. I was living in (laughs) Columbia. Okay. So let's think about what the loop looked like 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. There were no, there was no pageant. Right. There was no moonrise. There was no pie pizza. Right. There was no pinup up bowl. None of that was there in the city section of the loop, not one bit of it. That's right. So now it looks like, oh, well, that area is thriving, and it is thriving, and it's thriving for a reason. It's thriving uh, because of a lot of hard work by a lot of people to really bring that area back. Think about the grove. I mean, the Grove is a thriving area. Fifteen years ago, we didn't call it the Grove. We, we had to invent a whole new name for that area, right? We called it Manchester, Manchester yes. Avenue. Uh, think about the Central West End. It was a been about, uh, oh, probably 17 years ago, I'm going to say. I don't remember the year exactly. The Chase Park Plaza, the Chase, it was closed. It was closed for nine solid years uh, between about, I don't know, eighty nine and ninety eight or yes, something yeah, like that. Y- yes, okay? it was. It was closed for nine solid years. And in fact, I drove I drive Kings Highway every single day because I've lived where I live now for almost thirty years. And the curtains were flapping out the windows of the hotel section of the chase. Yeah, I remember that. Okay. So Maryland Plaza, there was no there was almost no businesses, were almost no businesses on Maryland Plaza. Um and that area is very much better. I mean, it's, it's great now for the most part. But that has happened within the last dozen or 15 years in both of those areas. So the Chase is an example that I, that I use fairly regularly. Uh, Ten years ago, I supported 50% tax abatement for the Chase. Well, it's run out. It's running out this year, 2017 and they currently are paying i think 7 or 800,000 i don't know the exact amount. They'll be paying millions of dollars in taxes this year at the end of 2017 because this is when the abatement runs out. That is what tax abatement is for. And i mean if you think having the chase closed for 9 years was not a blight on the central west end and on causing anything else to happen, i mean it, it's it's easier to remember things, you know, as they are today or as they were last year. But think back 10 or 15 years ago to the, to the situation. So I absolutely think that we have to cut back on incentives in the central corridor, in areas that, um, that will make it on their own. But incentives are about half art and about half science. Okay, the science is the number crunching, which, you know, I love to do since I'm a CPA. But the art is figuring out how little can I give in incentives to this project this is the city's job to ask this question how little can i give to this project and still have the project happen right because if the project does not happen well you haven't given anything because you don't have anything to give
0: and as as i have put forward as a devil's advocate question st louis is not operating in a vacuum and there are some very aggressive municipalities in st louis county that would be very happy to get especially some commercial development if no incentives are offered. Have you have you well, had that experience as an alderman where where, where maybe a, a large developer comes and says, we need these incentives or we're going to the county or St. Charles or anywhere else? I
2: think that's always implied, mm-hmm. okay, because mm-hmm. it's, you know, um, and that doesn't make developers bad people. That just makes them business people. Right. But let's think about this. The city of Clayton just approved $75 million worth of TIF for the new Centene project. Mm-hmm. Um, now when I when I sit here with my 28th ward hat on or as a mayoral candidate hat on I wish that project would have happened in the city of St. Louis uh, when I sit here really thinking about our region which is what I think is incumbent on a mayor to think about I think well I don't know if they needed $75 million of tiff in Clayton or not frankly I haven't seen any of the numbers haven't been able to make any evaluation of that but that That is the backdrop that every project in the city of St. Louis is getting evaluated against. Um, So that's why I say there's science to this. There's the numbers, number crunching, but there is art to this as well. Well, which brings us
1: then to the whole stadium discussion. Right. And uh, so... How do you lay out your position, and how do you think this project or not is affecting the mayor's race? Because I would think that there are some residents with strong uh, views on both sides. And when you're saying this your project, you're,
0: you're meaning the soccer stadium, correct? Because that's yes. one that one's still ripe. Right. We could, we could, we could Monday morning quarterback the NFL yeah. situation. No, well but, that's but, gone but, down. Well, let me just say. Yes.
2: Uh, the brain damage in the that was done over the Rams stadium deal uh, is affecting the way everyone feels about this proposal. In the last, I don't know, year, 14, 15 months, whatever it's been, you know, we're really considering three different stadium issues. The Rams, we know how that went. If I had known then what I know now, I wouldn't have spent nearly as much time or uh, you know, brain cells on, on that. But at the time, I think it was the right thing to, to try to save the Rams. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Now, soccer. I love soccer. I think most St. Louisans love soccer. Most of our kids played soccer, or Jason, your kid will play soccer. I hope so. Yeah, there you go. So, so I love soccer, and I hope we're able to get an MLS team here. I really do wish that the city of St. Louis would not own that stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, we voted just today to put that question before the voters, to let the voters decide if they want to spend uh, the increase in the use tax that will occur if the sales tax passes, if they want to spend that increase in the use tax on a new soccer stadium. So November the 4th, not November, April the 4th, voters will get to decide that. Um, And then there's the Scott Trade Center. So that also needs 138 million dollars worth of improvements, and those funds will have to come out of money that we're already spending on other things cops, potholes, trimming trees, what you know whatever it is. Three very different situations. Um, but I think, I think it's a tough question. Soccer's going to go before the voters. Yeah.
0: And I, I and I want to touch on the soccer one because somebody brought up this point. I think it's a good one. If you look at what the use tax goes toward now, it's affordable housing. It's public safety. It, it's laid out in the ordinance, but it's things that a lot of people say are desperately needed. If, in, a, in a scenario where the sales tax passes, but the soccer stadium thing fails, I would assume the increase in the use tax would go to that instead of the stadium. Is that and I guess that brings on the ultimate yeah. question. should we be spending money on affordable housing or public safety or a soccer stadium? is, is that's that... the
2: question before voters? Yeah I That's mean... absolutely the question before voters. Yeah. Um, the increase in the in the use tax, I think you know our city does have to have more uh, than than just cops and fixing potholes and those sort of things if we want to attract people and businesses and that sort of thing. Part of the reason that this question is so difficult for I think all of us is that it's being made just by the city of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So, three hundred and fifteen or twenty thousand people in the city of St. Louis, um, it it falls on the backs of those people and those businesses. Um, to you know, if we are going to have a soccer stadium, wouldn't it be better? To have a regional stadium authority, we'd have to figure out some fancy name for it. Mm -hmm. But why aren't we making this decision together with the county?
0: I, I think that's a good question. And as a city resident, personally, I get a little irritated when county residents chime in on this issue when they're not directly involved. Right. But on the other hand, I cover county council all the time. I think there's also this perception among many people in the city that county executive Stanger can wave a magic wand and money comes to a stadium when, in actuality, it has to get through a hostile county council. It would have to go through a voting base, which may reject it. It might. The city
2: voting base might reject it, too. Don't forget.
0: Exactly. Of course.
2: But wouldn't it be good? For us to think about these big issues on a regional basis instead of, well, what does the city think and what does the county think? I mean, frankly, the fragmentation of our government is a big detriment to to solid, good, forward-thinking regional questions. I
0: think that's a good transition into our next question. Yeah,
1: and now there have often been sometimes more regional cooperation than at other times. I mean, back in the 80s, I mean— Shamel and G. McNary, who was then the county executive, you know, they got together on a number of mm-hmm. projects. Now, as I said, and I'm not knocking any current or past politicians, but as it stands now, there isn't like a whole, at least on the f- surface, mm-hmm. there doesn't appear to be at least as, enough, as much high profile cooperation, which then leads us to the whole question. Does that make it more difficult when some people advocate? At least allowing the city to re-enter the county. Mm -hmm. Does that that make it more difficult or does that make it less difficult?
2: It's a new day. We're going to have a new mayor. We're going to have new personalities. In my opinion, it is the mayor's job and it is the county executive's job to get along with one another. Uh, I like Steve Stanger. I've worked with him on the PDMP, Prescription Drug Monitoring Program. Uh, that he passed in the county, and we passed a very similar ordinance in the city here mm. last year—not quite a year ago, I guess. I think we passed it in May, uh, maybe June. Uh, so, at any rate, no, I intend to get along with the county executive. We get along fine. I think that we could make uh, a decision jointly, and city and county. And and I think I think we're supposed to. I think we have to. Um, Are
0: you in favor of the, the city joining the county in a way, whether the city being a municipality or county and city becoming like a mega city?
2: Mm-hmm. I, um, I think the way we deliver services right now in our region, not just talking about the city, but the way we deliver services to our region is a very expensive way to deliver services. And we've seen the co- you know the results of some of this fragmentation. So personally... Yes, I am in favor of some form of reunification. I I state it like this. Back in 1876, we got divorced, city and the county. It's time we get remarried, but we need to get engaged first. We need to get the prenup worked out, and, uh, you know, because it's a complicated thing. Very complicated. Very complicated. I'm not wedded to, not to, no play on words with the previous analogy. We've been analogy, going on with but, this analogy yeah, for a while. But I'm not wedded to one solution over another. But I really do think that when you think about uh, city and county together, when you think about a region, we would do better if we if we were together. Is this the
1: type of issue that needs to go before voters in the city and county? Or do you think the officials should be able to work it out? I mean, mm-hmm.
0: it's going to have to go through some form of voters. but it,
1: Well, it depends what how you do some things. Right.
2: Uh, I think it probably would go before voters. There are a lot of options out there, and I'm not going to rule out any option right now. I do believe that as a a region, as a community, we are at a tipping point on this issue. Five years ago, if you mentioned this issue to people, they would just roll their eyes at you and say, well, that'll never happen in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. Today, if I'm addressing a group of people, neighborhood people, if I don't Cover this in my sort of opening remarks. Invariably, someone asks me about it. That says to me it's on people's minds. It, I mean, we're all talking about it now. Not rolling our eyes, we are thinking about it. It's tough. It's difficult. There's a lot of fear out there about how how this would affect one person over another. Uh, but I think we're at a tipping point.
0: Now, I, I got, I've asked this to every candidate. I think that there is a possibility, if not a strong likelihood. That someone like Rex Singfeld may fund a statewide ballot initiative to decide this question, as opposed to just the city and the county voters deciding this question. If that happens, what would be your posture?
2: Hmm. I have not heard that. That that is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's been written about somewhere, and I'm just you know haven't I've haven't been, seen it.
0: I think it's a possibility. Is it a rumor? It's a it's a rumor slash some of the some of the people who have been advocating for city county merger have have advocated that specific strategy
2: yeah i don't know uh i haven't heard that i'd want to look at it and think about that um good good question i don't know i haven't heard that
1: well there already have been for the last 30 some years there is some cooperation on some stuff we went back in the 80s when when because there used to be a county hospital public hospital two Mm -hmm. city public hospitals Now it's all handled all differently in effect. And I just
0: mentioned that question because I think that there's conventional wisdom that if you took it to a statewide ballot initiative, it would be easier to pass because I think there's going to be substantial opposition to any sort of city-county merger in the county. I mean, I'm not just saying that. I've done extensive reporting in big and small cities, and I've gotten the sense that, as you said before, there needs to be a lot of engagement and, and work before that happens if it's going to be a city and county vote.
1: But I mean, but but in but in any event, how big of an issue do you I mean when you're campaigning or when you're in forums with the other candidates? Is this something that's becoming a huge issue or is it something that people talk about just in an esoteric sense?
2: Um, I It's not as big of an issue as neighborhood safety. Mm-hmm. Uh but it is an issue. It is something that people are wondering about. And some people are probably wondering about it because they don't happen, want it to happen. And some people are probably wondering about it because they do want it to happen. So, you know, I think there's not quite enough uh, information out there in the public realm yet for most people to, to make a decision about that. But they know, they in their hearts and in their guts, they know that what we're doing now is not working very well.
0: So I want to talk about education. I'm very aware that the mayor's office does not have a in- incredibly direct role in the education system, but I mm-hmm. don't think that they have a passive role. They they appoint members to the special administrative board, and they can also be uh, use their bully pulpit to mm-hmm. to advocate for for education. Let's just start off generally. What's kind of your thought of how the mayor's office would be involved in the educational infrastructure of St. Louis because even though there's no direct involvement, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to get people to live here that the educational ecosystem in St. Louis is is good enough to attract people here. So
2: Well, first of all, the premise of your question is absolutely right on the money. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, our educational system and the educational choices and opportunities that families have to choose a school that they think is good for their kid is absolutely important to uh, having people live here, attracting young families, and keeping young families, etc. Now, that said, the mayor's office, who's trying to serve all of the people of this community, absolutely has to ha- use the office as a bully pulpit to hold all educational uh, options, I guess I will say, accountable for providing good education. St. Louis Public, we ought to stop for a second and say congratulations to St. Louis Public on having gained their reaccreditation a couple of weeks ago. So that's good. St. Louis Public has the best high school in Missouri, Metro High School. They have Kennard. They have Mallinckrodt. They have other uh, other good schools as well. But the schools in St. Louis Public are uneven is the word that I will yeah. use. And so uh, it's good that we've had Dr. Adams, Kelvin Adams here, for the last, you know, I think, six years, seven years, whatever it's been. So that has been a real plus because he's provided some stable leadership and, and aspirational leadership. Uh, but there are also 10,000 kids in the city of St. Louis being educated in charter schools. And charter schools are public schools, too. I mean, they don't hold the name St. Louis Public Schools, but they are also public schools, and they are funded you know, through uh, tax base. So those 10,000 kids, they, they have provided a good option for a lot of families. And then you can't really talk about this subject in my mind without talking about the role of parochial schools mm-hmm. in the city of St. Louis. Over the last 30 or 40 or 50 years, parochial schools have played a hugely important role in you know, serving the kids of, of families, providing education to those kids, and keeping people here in the city of St. Louis. Now, they... They're having their own struggles you know they are uh, there's a proposal out to combine St. James and Sorrows with Joan of Arc well of course St. James and Sorrows they want to keep their own school and you know this is all it's a function at least in part because of demographics Mm -hmm. we know there aren't many nuns anymore like there used to be some 50 years ago Mm -hmm. to teach in schools and we also know that there are very few families today who have eight kids you know, people have one kid or two kids or three kids. And it, it's rare now when you find a family. And, and 40 years ago or 50 years ago, 60 years ago, I mean, that was normal. So all of those things come together. The mayor's office has to uh, be the com- a convener and use the office as a bully pulpit to uh, be sure that families have good educational options.
0: Now, keep in mind, I've asked this question to every candidate, so I'm not just picking on you. Where did you send your kids to school?
2: New City School.
0: So the reason I'm asking this question is with the accreditation of St. Louis Public Schools mm-hmm. I feel like there's an opportunity to get more middle and upper class families to maybe oh absolutely. Give, give, give St. Louis public schools a chance because one of the challenges I see in urban school districts is you know I'll be be frank here white middle and upper class people like right. me deciding to send their kids to public schools charter schools That's private right. schools it's a tough decision I'm not trying to say it's a it's a it's a binary one I'm just curious as mayor, it, it, when you're using the bully pulpit, how are you going to advocate for more, again, middle and upper class families to consider the public schools as a good option?
2: And when you say the public schools, do you mean charter schools, or include, do you mean, mean inc- St. Louis public? I'm
0: going to say I'm going to say St. I'm going to say both, but especially the public schools, St. Yeah. Louis public schools.
2: I th- I think what you have to do often is point out to families, families don't often don't always know their options in mm-hmm. St. Louis public schools, and I personally know quite a few young families who send their kids to St. Louis Public Schools. Mm-hmm. They live in the 28th Ward. They live in the 6th Ward. They live in the uh, 16th Ward. So there, it is not rare. It was 20 years ago when yes, I was making changed. that decision.
0: I think it's changing because, I mean, yes. i the reason I'm asking this question is a personal one, too, because I want to send my son to a public school, not only because I went to public school, I value public education, but I also value diversity both in, in, in race and when it comes to economics. And economic diversity. And I think that's very important. I think my generation is is embracing that. But continue your answer.
2: No, I I agree with you a hundred percent and I think you do have good uh, both St. Louis Public School and charter options to send your your kid to. I mean, I personally have never been to one day at private school in my life. That means, you know, well, I didn't go to kindergarten, but first grade all the way through 12th grade. And, and you know, I went to Kirksville for my uh, first degree, and I went to UMSL for my second degree. So I'm completely a product of public education. And I feel lucky to have gotten a really good education all along the way. Uh, but I also understand that every every family has to make that decision, and um, I think there are some good choices in St. Louis public and in charter schools for your son.
1: Well, and one thing I do want to say, without getting it in 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 the weeds, because no, nobody cares what I did, but <laughs> but but to be fair, many of the Pearl Hill schools in the city and the private schools do make an effort to try to be uh, diverse I knew, I, yeah. that's definitely true I mean, I yeah. want to make that 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 very clear and uh, because you know well, and- I, I
2: almost jumped in and to defend my uh, own kids uh, alma mater yes. but um, so yes yes they do but honestly uh, private schools are not an option for most people it's they not. just are not and it is not um, you know, it's it's not where a mayor should focus their attention.
1: Now, I, I do want to shift into another yes. issue that's kind of the elephant in the room here uh, for the mayor's race, and frankly in the region, is the whole issue of race, mm-hmm. race relations, racial tensions, um, and also how it affects the mayoral context, contest. I mean, it's a fact that in St. Louis— Racial politics, even within the Democratic Party, have kind of been the norm for decades. And so some people say that one of the reasons you have an edge, uh, and I'm not saying it's fair or not, but just bec- but because of the five best-known candidates, four are African-American, one, you, are white. Mm-hmm. So how do you kind of see that, and how do you address, um, I mean, the the whole racial component, how to improve
2: race relations in the city? Sure. Well, I absolutely feel like every decision uh, has to be made with a racial equity lens. Um, I will also say that, you know, I represent one of the most diverse wards, maybe the most diverse ward in the city, black, white, gay, straight, young, old, rich, poor in the 28th Ward. And that is part of the reason that I live in the 28th Ward is that, you know, I enjoy and value that diversity. So uh, I think, you know, whether or not the mayor is black or white, they have to uh, embrace every single resident and every single point of view. And, you know, a similar question could be asked to an African-American candidate, you know. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, look look to the way folks have behaved over the years and, and look at you know, their own personal behavior, and make your a judgment as to whether or not you believe that that person can represent every single St. Louisan, which is absolutely essential uh, if you're going to be an effective mayor.
0: You just got St. Louis Mayor Francis Slay's endorsement. I think that his endorsement is not insignificant. He ha- holds a lot of, I, mean, I was about to use a, a play on words, Slay holds a lot of sway, in, mm-hmm. in some parts of the cities, especially his home base in South St. Louis. But kind of jumping on Joe's question, there are some parts of the city, primarily heavily African-American parts, that really dislike mm-hmm. Slay and felt that he left large mm-hmm. portions of the city behind. With that as a backdrop, how do you think his endorsement is going to impact how people see your campaign?
2: Uh, I think I appreciate having Mayor Slay's endorsement. I also would uh, ask the voters of the city of St. Louis to choose a mayor who's capable, to choose the person that you think will be the most effective, and to to look at uh, what my track record is. I have a history of taking on the tough issues uh, facing our community. So whether that is taking on big tobacco and passing the smoking ban, whether it is taking on the big drug companies and passing the prescription drug monitoring program, taking on the NRA all the way to the Supreme Court way back when we first had conceal and carry in uh, in this the state, uh, which now has been I think 18 years ago, 17 or 18 years ago, uh, you know, so certainly some of my policies are. Uh, uh, you know are better with with uh, some constituencies than others but i do have a uh, a track record of taking on tough issues and and accomplishing things on those tough issues and so i think choose a mayor who you think is capable who has a track record of taking on the tough issues and who can provide opportunities for every single one of us there's more to electing a mayor than just the color of their skin.
0: Well, we have reached 51 minutes and 56 seconds, and I think that uh, our guest probably wants to go back uh, and on the campaign trail. We want to just thank you for giving up so much of your time to talk with us today. Thank you. And in, in, in th- I'm making this uh, statement to all the people we interview. Whoever wins, we hope to have you on many other times into the future. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at?
1: manus It's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And how
0: would people learn more about your campaign besides turning on their televisions?
2: L Y D A K R E W S O N L-Y-D-A-K-R-E-W-S-O-N.com.
0: And I think you can be found on Twitter at Cruson. At Lydacruesson. We'll be, oh, continue. It's one of the
2: advantages of having a, a pretty unique name. It's very unique.
0: <laughs> there are many Jason Rosenbaums. We'll be back next time. Until then, so long. Thank <laughs> you.